stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car won't go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right... They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars. As always, my name is Rob Blount. Uh, joining me uh, alongside of me in the Concord Studios is Nick Graziano, the, uh, as I refer to you, the PR God. PR God, that is a new of title. World now. of Outlaws, yes, because I still don't know your real title. And I think at this point, I'm just not even going to try to learn it. Yeah, I mean, that, that one works. I think it fits. It fits, maybe. right? Sure. Because you started as the Sprint Car PR rep, and then. Last night, you and I both, which I found to be ironic, the the Open Road co-hosts are standing in the infield at Bristol Motor Speedway watching late, late models, models rip around. It's still awesome, though. Oh, incredible. You guys have no idea what you're in for for Bristol. It's It was so cool. It was my first time ever being there, and just walking into that place is yeah, what, crazy. Give me your – what was running through your mind? Because I've been there – a bunch of times now. I've been lucky enough to be there a bunch of times. Give, give me your initial thought when you rolled up on the street and that massive facility came out from behind the trees. So, yeah, like, you kind of take the back roads. They're on there. I'm like, where's this racetrack going to show up? Then you come out to, like, the main road. And like, oh, wow, there's this huge coliseum just up on this hill pretty much. Then got there and then walked through under the grandstand, the garage area, and then to the track. And then, you like, once you walk out to the track, it's like it's just this – towering thing that just like grows and grows as you watch and look and look and just it's crazy it's 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 like walking out of like uh the subway and then seeing new york city for the first time it's mm-hmm. like just thing that just grows and expands the more you look and all the details and everything you see it's just it's, it's so cool that is that's an awesome analogy actually um yeah and it's like the first time you see it it's just it's just this awe-inspiring sight that you no matter how many times you go because I, I, like I said, I've been a couple handfuls of times now. No matter how many times you go, you have to stop and and just take it in for a second, and then be like, all right, now let me go back about my business. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, I can't imagine just sitting that high up where they have the seats even go up to. It's just that's crazy. Yeah. So um, the, those really high seats in turns one and two. Uh, that's the I had my first ever. And so far, only thankfully, knock on wood, panic attack because I'm terrified of heights. Oh, perfect place to have that. Yeah, and uh, that one, I, I love that place so much. But that is the one one place now that I, I will I will not go to in that venue <laughs> is the uh, I guess it's the Wallace Tower and turns one and two. Just can't do it. Just can't do it. But the rest of the place is just it's the coolest thing, man. And, and yesterday was such a cool experience because it wasn't white concrete that we were looking at. It was red clay and dirt late models instead of NASCAR cup car, cup cars ripping around this And place. even though it was the late models and not sprint cars, it was still super impressive and super fun to watch. Even even just one car at a time, just watching how they drive that track is just fun to watch. Just the way they got to throw it into the turns and hold through the banking. And 
I think it was uh, Ricky Weiss was fastest yep. um, with, I believe we heard it was an average speed of 125 miles per hour. Yeah, something like that. They were, from what I understand, they were hitting somewhere around 150-ish going into the corners. Yeah, crazy. Uh, they were ripping. And, and how many times They're really do you only go a few somewhere? tenths off of the, nat- the cup cars, too, on asphalt. Yes, yeah. And how many times do you go somewhere where a car makes a car heads out for the first time and everyone in the pit area stops what they're doing and watches oh, yeah. that first run? Every driver, every crew member, everybody on the track just watched. Yep. Brandon Shepard was the first one out, and everyone stopped when that car left pit road. Like there was, what we had a handful of cars there yesterday, and everyone's getting ready to make their own first run, but then everything stopped. It, it was almost like when you're walking through the concourse and you're not at your seat yet for the national anthem, and everyone stops what they're doing. It was kind of like that. Yeah. Everyone stopped, paid attention, it finished, went about their business, and then got themselves ready. It was super cool. It, it was kind of that way throughout the whole test, really. Once, mm-hmm. once a, like you kind of have car, one car would go out, do their few laps, come in, everybody kind of go back to work. But then when another car came out, everybody stopped and just watched. It because it, it was just that mesmerizing thing to see, just that sound that that place brings out of the cars too. So why are we talking about late models right now? Because two weeks after the late models run, what is it? April twenty second, April twenty second to twenty fourth. Yep. That's sprint when cars the world of outlaws. They're gonna be so fast around that cars track. Are it's gonna be Speedway. awesome. It's going to be so cool. I, I can't believe, I, I, I said it in a, in a tweet yesterday, I'm 28 years old. Literally, I was eight years old when Bristol was covered in dirt the last time. And I, I can't believe that it's happening again. I really never thought it was going to happen again. I figured that was a, a one-time thing. It was going to be over and done with 20 years ago, and we're going to have to look back at the grainy video footage, and, and that's what we're going to have. It has to be that of, thing of the past that will always be the past in, in a sprint car game. Right, exactly, yes, and in the video yeah. game. <laughs> and now it's happening it's again. Yeah. And it's uh, about a month and a half from now, we're going to have sprint cars ripping around Bristol Motor Speedway, and it's going to be awesome. Cannot wait. You know what it takes to run there, Nick? Well, it is National Meatball Day, so I'm going to say some meatballs. It does take some meatballs to run there. And uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of like to have smooth meatballs when I'm eating my meatballs. And you know the best way to have that? It's with Manscaped. It is. It is with Manscaped. So, as always, you can get 20% off of your package at manscaped.com if you use the promo code OPENRED20. Uh, what you get in the Perfect Package 3.0 kit is you get the Lawnmower 3.0. That's the trimmer. It's waterproof. It has a light on it, so you can see what you're doing if you're doing it in a, in a shower that isn't the most well well lit. They sent me one. It, thank you, Manscaped. It's it, that's nice bright light. You can it see is anything bright, with right? everything with that. You could blind someone with oh, that yeah. thing. I would not recommend it though, because you probably wouldn't just blind someone with it. Uh, that's not the proper usage of it. The proper usage is to make things nice and smooth uh, and hygienic. And uh, and not only that do you get the lawnmower 3.0, but you can get the Weed Whacker for those just uncomfortable and annoying ear and nose hairs, because no one likes those. How annoying is it? Like, you and I both have pretty decent beards. Just how annoying is it when, like, you think you have, like, a mustache hair that suddenly is a nose hair and it's just tickling you and it just makes you want to sneeze? It drives me nuts. Yeah, and then you find out it is the nose hair. It's just disappointing because it's just this thing that's just there. You're like, I, I need something to get rid of this. Yeah, and you don't yeah. want to, like, try to pluck it because that is incredible pain. 
It's so odd how one. You look like you're just picking your nose all day. Everybody thinks you're weird, but they don't realize it's just the hair. You got to get rid of the hair. Yeah. So you use the weed whacker to get rid of that. And, you know, today, Nick, it's 70 degrees out on March. uh, It's it's mid March. We're still in single digits, but it's it's early to mid March and 70 degrees out. We're going to start getting sweaty soon. So you're going to want to use the crop reviver so that you don't chafe down there. Exactly. And you can get all of this again. 20% 20% off plus free shipping if you go to manscaped.com and use the promo code OPENRED20. It is coming up on spring break, so say aloha to your new beautiful meatballs. Perfect. That's just perfect on National Meatball Day. I mean, I don't think they get any better than that. I don't think so either. Uh, you know who else had uh, really large meatballs this weekend? It was Carson Macedo. <laughs> I think everybody saw that. Didn't Actually, let me rephrase that. Did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they knew, I, I'll say they knew he'd be fast, but the way he was, like, he came from, what, 10th to win at Volusia? Yes. And then 17th to 3rd to next night at East Bay? It's yep. like, all of a sudden, there's a 41. Wait, where did he come from? Yeah, it was an incredible run. I mean, at one point, I don't think we showed him in a camera shot on Dirt Vision until he went to 5th, and then I'm pretty certain a lap later he was in 3rd, and then two laps later he was in the lead. Yeah, it was. And then he was gone. It was like he found, like, the mushrooms in Mario Kart and just got some speed and go, 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 go. Yeah, it was an incredible run uh, at Volusia Speedway Park on Friday night, which, by the way, it was so great to have sprint car racing back uh, for the first time in about a month since we were last at Volusia Speedway Park during uh, 50th Annual Dirt Car Nationals. Uh, if you missed Friday's race, the top five were Carson Macedo, as we just previously mentioned, Sam Hayfertieb Jr. finished second, which was really cool to see because he was faster in Dirt Car Nationals, sat on the pole one night after winning a dash, and unfortunately that night it was like they threw the parachute out and he dropped like a rock. This time, similar story throughout most of the night, but still ran up front, finished on a podium spot. That was cool. I think paraphrasing uh, is kind of funny. He at least said in victory lane, they haven't been good for 30 years or something like that. So I guess, <laughs> I know, I'm sure he disappointed he didn't win, but yeah, nice to see him get a good finish. Yeah. Gio Selzy uh, finished in third. Donnie Schatz finished in fourth and ran out the top five. On Friday night was David Gravel. And then we moved on to Saturday for the first time in 38 years. The World of Outlaw Sprint Cars were at the East Bay Raceway Park in Tampa, Florida. Did not disappoint. It, it sure didn't. And you know someone else who had really big meatballs was Aaron Reitzel. Oh, my God. The, the way he drove that race was I was shocked every lap just running it over the cushion, through the cushion. Made his own line in the cushion. I like, oh, well, there he goes over the cushion. Here comes. Nope. He's, he's making it work? My, I've admitted to this ever since I've been on this show for the last few months so i think it's I, I, it's fair for me to say again but my sprint car knowledge and history is is very limited because I'm, I'm still so new to it i've only been really around the sport for the last five or six years i've never seen someone run that way no it was spectacular to see i saw him go up there once and i'm like oh there's his slip up he's gonna bring brad sweet right into yep. the mix this was the opening brad needed and then he powered off of the corner and turned two and drove away from him and then started doing it every lap I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it was, he made his own line, made his own groove, and it worked. It was, it was that. That's like, like you said, that's the kind of sprint car racing we live for. Just something crazy and wild like that. Yeah, and and, and his his post race interview, so much so, fun yeah. too. It was just so. I don't even know enthusiastic, and honestly, there was an innocence about that interview too, where it made it feel like 
you were watching him think back to his childhood of when he got hooked on sprint car racing and decided this is what he wanted to do. Yeah, just life. hearing him talking about uh, Gary White, how much of a fan he was of him, and watching his tape of how he ran East Bay before he ran there, and just trying to learn from what he did to make his own line do the same thing. So yeah, it was it's cool to see uh, drivers appreciate the history and. I just kind of, like you say, kind of bring back their childhood into it, too. Yeah, super fun race. Uh, so, as we said, Aaron Reitzel got the win on Saturday night at East Bay Raceway Park. Uh, two-time defending champion Brad Sweet finished second. Carson Macedo, as we mentioned before, 17th to 3rd on Saturday night at East Bay. Donnie Schatz, 4th. And Logan Schuhart rounded out the top five. Uh, moving on to the points update. Carson Macedo is in the points lead now by just a measly four-point margin over Logan Schuhart. That's what, two positions, Nick? Uh, it depends on where you finish. I mean, if you win from first to second, that's four points, and then okay. it's two points after that for gotcha. every other position. So. That's right, because so of the, the two-point bonus to the winner, right? Yeah, pretty much. So, Carson Macedo, a four-point gap right now over Logan Schuhart. Brad Sweet is third, eight points back. David Gravel and Donnie Schatz are tied for fourth, 24 points back. And actually, now that I noticed, that's a three-way tie between David Gravel, Donnie Schatz, and Aaron Reitzel, all 24 points back. Uh, moving on to seventh place, Corey Eliason, 26 points back. Sheldon Hoddenshield is eighth, 60 points back. Sam Haferteep, ninth, 68 points back. And tied with him is Brent Marks, 68 points back as well well uh it's this is gonna be a fun year you can see it from the points already and yes. the winners that we've had already that's this is gonna be fun we're only five what five races in or four four, four races in four different winners yeah can't ask for much more now and, and the type of winners that we're getting too is just you can tell these guys are gonna be so competitive all year long just going back and forth like there's i don't think we're gonna see a dominant winning driver you're gonna see a lot of guys just winning a bunch of different races i feel like the days of 28 win seasons are behind us. Yep. Especially this year. Yeah. I think going back to our predictions, like we said, I think we said maybe under, someone has under 20 wins or something like that this year. We said, like, I think that's going to happen. Honestly, man, I am so bad at, unless I write stuff down, of keeping track of what my <laughs> predictions were. I forgot them the moment we walked out of the studio. I remember I said uh, Aaron Reitzel for Rookie of the Year, so there's one winner already. There is that, and I remember I said Sheldon Hoddenshield is going to have the most wins and win the championship, and so far I feel like I put the jinx on that, and once again, I would like to apologize to Sheldon, uh, but I know it's only been four races out of, uh, what, we have 90 more to go. We have a so, lot to go. Yeah, we got, we got plenty Including to go. Including Bristol. Plenty of time. That is right. Once again, April 22nd through 24th, Bristol Motor Speedway, the World of Outlaws, NOS, Energy Drink Sprint Cars return, along with the Super Dirt Car Series, Big Block Modifieds. If you can't make it, you can watch it on DirtVision.com. It's going to be fantastic, as is, I think, our next interview, uh, which is with the man sitting fourth in points right now, Mr. David Gravel. It was a great interview. Yes. Gravel, uh, David was very open about everything. We asked him a lot of fun questions. Uh, talked a little bit of drag racing with him, talked mm -hmm. about uh, his year. And uh, yeah, this is, you'll get a lot of fun uh, answers from David in this one. We also previewed our, our upcoming races with David, which uh, will be at Magnolia Motor Speedway and uh, the Rev. The Rev. In two Louisiana. new tracks. Two new tracks for us. And uh, talking with David about them was a lot of fun. And I believe you guys will enjoy this interview. Coming right up. Watertown, Connecticut, in the Houston Speedway, Jackson Motorflex, High Performance Liberty, Chancy Transportation, number two, David Gravel. Up on the high side of the racetrack, from the drop in the green, David Gravel wins the Knoxville Nationals. And here with us today is David Gravel, driver of the Big Game Motorsports number two car. David, how's it going? 
I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, before we get into some of the sprint car racing, I know in the off-season you did some drag racing uh, with your Mustang. Where did that start? Uh, how did your interest in drag racing come about? Yeah, so uh, I've always been into cars my whole life. My dad owns a body shop, and, um, you know, just growing up in the body shop and watching him work, and, uh, you know, I always had a love for cars, and uh, I started drag racing when I was in high school, um, going to Lebanon Valley on Tuesday nights, and I had an Infiniti G35, and then I shouldn't have been drag racing that, but I was, and then... uh, (laughs) Uh, then I started drag racing my Mustang when I got it. So, uh, I still have that current Mustang. I've had it since 2010 and, uh, I'll never sell it. It's my second car ever. And it'll, it'll always be something I'll have. So is this like, this isn't your, your, your daily driver that you're taking down the quarter mile, is it? No, no. I have a pickup truck. Um, this thing makes around 850 horsepower to the wheels. It, it is a drivable car in the street, still has all the amenities and all that. So it still is a street car, but um, I don't want the miles to rack up, and I let it sit in the garage. So why a Mustang? What made you go with the Mustang first? Um, You know, I'm not really sure other than my mom bought a brand-new Mustang in, like, 1988, and my dad had a 69 Fastback Mustang, and my grandfather back in the day had like a, a Grand Torino Cobra Jet. Um, wow. was, never, was never able to meet him and stuff like that. But it seems like uh, the Ford cars, uh, I didn't really have a choice when I was younger. But uh, I like all makes and models. Um, but this was a car that I got a really good deal on. It was one of my dad's customers, and you know I couldn't pass it up. Do you do all the work on it yourself? Uh, no, I wouldn't say do all the work myself just cause I'm not home to work on it very often, but my buddy Dom, who was my best man at my wedding, he did a lot of work to the car, but I mean, I, when down here in Florida, I prepare the car and I do, you know, a lot of the normal stuff, but changing a transmission or an engine, um, guys that do that all the time, they could do it way faster than I can. <laughs> so does that, uh, does any of that actually help you at all with you, with your, I'll call it your day job at all, or is it just completely for fun, just to do something different? Yeah, it's completely for fun. You know, um, I go to track rentals where, you know, five, six, up to 15 guys rent the drag strip, and I'm just chasing a number or a time. I'm always trying to better that time. And, um, you know, I've never actually been to a legit race and race people on a real tree and stuff like that. So my reaction time is always a couple seconds because i'm just trying to line up the rpm perfect for the launch because it's still a stick shift car so i got to slip the clutch and and do a lot of things to to make a good pass out of it so um you know it's just for fun it's my hobby you know what do other people like to do they like to go to uh i guess australia still work but people go to australia or go snowmobiling or um you know just hang out but when it's the off season or i have off time i'm working on my cars buying parts wasting all my money on it but it's what i like to do <laughs> what's your best time uh 963 at 145 so far nice very nice so, so not bad today's day and age that's slow um but i have an automatic uh mustang that i'm building that will be a lot faster so then that'll be a little bit more of a bragging rights time to do but in a stick shift car it's respectable for sure how's that compared to the feeling of a sprint car yeah, um, it's definitely a different feel. I would say maybe it's a little bit comparable in power-wise, but the sprint car is a way better power-to-weight ratio, and um, 
you know, the sprint car is not having a transmission, slows down the acceleration a little bit, but um, they're definitely both fast in their own way. So speaking of sprint car racing, you're with a new team this year, moving from the 41 car over to the two car. What is that? transition been like how how big is an adjustment when you change teams you know um it, it hasn't been too bad i mean i'm very familiar with todd and his camp uh you know sponsoring us when i was at cjb motorsports so it's not really awkward like oh i have never dealt with these people before and cody jacobs uh you know i, I raced out of the hot and shields shop in worcester for two to three years and, and cody crewed sheldon's car at one point and he was at the shop about every day so i'm very familiar with him uh trey bowman uh he actually was a crew guy uh just to help out on my car during ohio speed week in 2010 uh when we won the ohio speed week championship so i've known trey since at least then um and then wyatt you know he's he's new to me but um i mean we're all gelling well we're all fairly young and uh, it's been it's been pretty good. Um, obviously, the last two years you raced with uh, Jason Johnson Racing. What prompted the change for this year? Yeah, I mean, everybody's asking that question or wants to know the answer. But at the end of the day, it comes down to business. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, JJ is going through a little bit of an ownership change with, you know, Philip uh, taking the reins. And, um, you know, they do this for a living and uh, they have to make a living as well and make that all work. And, uh, you know, they just weren't able to fulfill my needs and I wasn't able to fulfill theirs, you know, and bringing, uh, you know, more money uh, to the deal. And, and not that it was just about money, but just, uh, you know, I wanted a little something, they wanted a little something. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, me and Phil ended up ended on great terms um, and we're great friends and all that. So there's no hard feelings in it at all. Um, and I can't thank, you know, Bobby and everybody. It, it was an easy job for me. I mean, they never uh, complained or, or, you know, made it hard for me. They just let me do my job and it was, it was, you know, no problem. So um, it just Todd, you know, obviously he doesn't do this for a living. He do it. He does this cause he wants to, and you know, he's able to fulfill my needs a little bit better. And um, we know he's going to be in the sport for a very long time owning two racetracks and I'm trying to build a relationship like Brad Sweet has with Casey Kane and Donnie Schatz has with Tony Stewart. You know, um, I just, if I could look into the future, I know Todd Quaring's going to be here for a long time in the sport. And, um, you know, I hope to have a relationship with these guys for 10 years plus and find a home. And I know these people believe in me a, a thousand percent. Um, and no matter what happens, if we have an off night, I know that they're going to have my back. So, um, I don't think I've had that, um, very often for uh, some people I've driven for. So um, that gives me a lot of confidence. So halfway through that, you kind of answered my question about what the relationship is, is like now with the, the people from the, the 41 car. I'll change it a little bit because I've always kind of wondered this when people change teams. Is there any like awkwardness in the beginning of the season when you're, you're walking through the pit area and, and you're so used to going the one car and they're so used to seeing you come over to that pit area and now you're going to a different location? Um, I would say there's awkwardness. I think there was more awkwardness uh, a couple of years ago where me and CJB didn't end on the greatest terms and uh, the two car didn't end on the greatest terms with 
you know, um, Shane Stewart. And then you had the, you know, young gun Macedo going into that car. So it was like, uh, shark smelling blood in the ocean, you know, to start that season off where this year, I mean, I'm good friends with Carson. I'm good friends with Phil, you know, so maybe it's a touch awkward, but I mean, it's all good. It's part of the business. And at the end of the day, I'm blessed to, to be able to drive for a living and, not have to bring much of anything to the table as a driver because, you know, that is changing year after year. And, in, you know, people say the NASCAR effect and that's trickling down into the dirt world as well. Uh, obviously you've driven for a lot of good teams and had success with them too. Is Have you found your own formula of what you need to do from going to team to team or are you just always that comfortable in the rides and able to adapt to what they have? Yeah, I'm not going to claim to be some driver crew chief or or Sammy Swindell or anything like that because I truly don't know um, all the inner workings of the car. I I feel like that's what the crew chief's job is for. I have to focus on uh, being a good driver and hitting my marks. And and as the track changes in between races, uh, you know, nowhere to be uh, come start of that heat race or dash or, or for qualifying. So. I think that I have a good understanding and feel and feedback and giving that to the crew chief. And, um, you know, if I feel like the car is getting down two laps, I can maybe say, Hey, maybe we're too soft or, or, or something like that. And, and I feel like I have a good understanding. So, um, I think the last, I would say four or five years, what I've learned from Barry Jackson and what I've learned from Philip Dietz, um, you know, I don't write notes down, but I store that in my brain and, and this is what I do for a living and take it serious. So I think, uh, I, I understand what's going on and, and I think it shows and, and shows how, um, you know, how consistent we've been the last several years, no matter what car I've driven. Yeah. Over the last several years, I'm, I'm looking at your stats dating back to 2016, nine wins that year, 18 wins the following year. Five wins 2018, 12 wins 2019, seven wins in 51 races for you out of the 54. What are you expecting this year as far as your wins number? I want to win a lot as often (laughs) as possible. Um, You know, I'm just anxious uh, to go to places where I've been extremely good at, like Knoxville, like Williams Grove, like Lincoln Speedway, and kind of see what we have, you know. Knoxville's a place that's tricky and, and I've had success in about every car uh, I've been in there, but not the success I've had to the likes of what CJB and JJR, you know, to, to get the perfect 500 night win the Knoxville nationals. I mean, those are some things that are really, really hard to do. And that's not all me. You know, I need a good race car. I need a good crew. So I'm very excited and curious to see how that all plays out uh, at Williams Grove and Knoxville. But as far as a win number, you know, you always want to try to get double digits. That's always pretty cool, but I never put a number on it. I'm out there and going to try to do the best I can every single night. And to me, it's putting ourselves in position to win as many times as possible. Um, You know, so far this year, I haven't had the best dash draws and never really had a chance to win a race yet uh, in the four races at Volusia, but ran solid every night. So um, it's one of those things um, just to have a chance to win that night and hopefully you make the right call on the racetrack and lap traffic or you're moving your wing right or we got the car really good at the end of the race. That That's all I'm looking for is uh, getting podiums. And when you get those podiums, uh, hopefully those wins come pretty often as well. Right. You talk about 
those all those fourth place finishes at Volusia every night. Um, were you guys surprised of how uh, well you ro- ran? Uh, did you expect that? Are you and Cody kind of gelling pretty well right off the bat? I mean, I would say so. We were uh, going forward every night. You know, uh, like I said, the dash draws or the dashes didn't go my way. So, I mean, no matter where we started, we ran fourth. So it's it's good to not start in the front row and back up to fourth. You know, we started outside the top 10 once or twice and, and other times in about sixth or fifth or something like that. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I would say it was a great start. Uh, two of the races, I got into second for a brief period and just messed up one corner both times and that cost me. But, um, you know, I think we showed flashes of speed where, hey, uh, we could compete for wins for sure. So this weekend, we're, we're recording this show ahead of the races at Magnolia Motor Speedway and Revolution Park, uh, even though it's most likely going to end up being released after that. What are you expecting to come out of uh, those two races? Like, What do you think about those tracks? How are you preparing for them? Well, since you guys are like the stats guys over here, do you remember where I finished at Magnolia? Because I remember we raced there a long time ago, it was like 2010 or 11. Oh, man. Hang on. Let me, bring let me try to look quick. it up real quick. Let's because see. I I know I won I believe my first career dash there and I put the backup lights in the feature but uh, I knew I was in the dash and I was actually talking to Sean Miller our PR guy before you guys called because he didn't even know I raced at Magnolia but um, I, I'm looking forward to tr- two tracks that we haven't been to in a long time you know I feel like it kind of is an exciting thing for a driver. Uh, to find that lane or to find that line that works the best and and get qualified early on and, and kind of get ahead of guys. So I'm all for places we haven't been to in a long time or have like, never been to. Right. Do you feel like that kind of puts you guys, um, even being a new team, kind of on an even playing field with some of the other guys that maybe haven't been to these tracks yet too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's in the same boat and, you know, you're going to throw something at it you think is going to be close and, you know, you got to adapt. For sure. Uh, looking I up am here. still looking here. Let's see. It's 10 or 11 is the year, I believe. Was it an Outlaws race? I thought it was. I mean, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was an all-star race, but. Okay, let's let's check that out. All right. I wasn't seeing it in the Outlaws list here for you. So, 2010. Man, maybe for some my, reason. Maybe my eyes are just not working for me and I just can't read right today. <laughs> I know I've been there one time, but hey, I know, I've had a couple concussions, so anything's <laughs> possible. So, so you sure it was that track? <laughs> no, I'll do my research and get back to you guys. <laughs> cool. Um, well, we'll keep going. Uh, we'll see if we can find it as we're doing that. Um, I think there's, speaking of stats, I think there was, you probably saw it, the stat last year, I think around last the last call where someone said, uh, maybe if you didn't miss those couple races, you would have been could have been right in the championship hunt. Do yeah, you, do you think about Seelman that? Yeah, Sports yeah, said that. You, I think he said if you got average points for those three races that you missed, if you would have scored your average number of points throughout the year, you would have been like somewhere around single digit points out entering the second to last race of the season. The did that make you reconsider wanting to do the NASCAR stuff at all? Are you still happy you did that? Well, if I could see into the future, I would probably be a rich man and won a lot more races. But, you know, 2020 honestly kind of sucked for everybody, and it sucked for me. I had so many exciting things to look for in 2020. I was supposed to race a minimum of six races. 
I was supposed to get practice. I was supposed to get qualifying. Um, and then in a blink of an eye, I get brought down to one race and luckily I was able to run two. And the biggest race we were looking forward to was Eldora on dirt. And then that race didn't even happen. So you go from racing six races and getting to practice, getting to qualify to two races to tracks I've never seen in my entire life. I've never stepped foot on these tracks and show up that day, hop in a truck that I've never raced before and take the green flag lap. And I'm starting 12th in a race around people that are contenders and hopefully I don't drive into turn one and crash the thing. So it was one of those things where there was so much weight on my shoulders on that ordeal and pretty much the perfect storm happened for me. You know, I missed so little races to tease myself to be in contention uh, to win. I believe I had just as many top tens or more tens than anybody else last year, uh, missing three races. So, um, it sucked. Um, if, like I said, if I could look into the future, um, I would have loved to run for an outlaw championship. Um, but you know, that's not what happened. I got stuck in between and it was a real bummer. Um, I wish I could have ran my initial six truck races and had practice and qualifying and gave it a real shot, but COVID messed that up, pulled the funding from what I had and we lost Exalta and, uh, you know, just, uh, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, hey, in that first truck race, though, you, you finished 10th at a place that is drastically different from, I, I would assume, just about any other form of racing that you've done before. So, I mean, it, it, at least that was a, a good outing considering all the pressure that you had on you, like you said, to not mess up anyone's day who's running for playoffs and stuff like that. I mean, I thought Michigan was a mile-and-a-half track, and then they told me the day of the race it's a two-mile track. I'm like... Holy crap. You know, that's big. Uh, you know, me running 10th, I, I honestly think that that was the best case scenario. And I don't think anybody else in my situation that had no asphalt experience, like I've had in a fender car for the first time could do better. I mean, that might sound cocky, but I mean, it's one of those things. A lot of these other kids that are really good and have made it to NASCAR, you know, they did late models and they did K&N or they did Arca or, or, you know what I mean? And they had a real shot at it. I mean, I didn't get practice. I didn't get qualifying and I just jumped right in the race. So for me to run 10th, I thought that showed that I'm a capable driver, but you know, nothing came of it. And it's just uh, part of the COVID thing. People scared to spend sponsorship dollars and all those. So I mean, at the end of the day, I was thinking about retiring after that 10th place finish because that wouldn't be a bad career average finish, you know. So I, I lowered that uh, a, a big amount uh, in my second race when I crashed. But, um, you know, I have no regrets because if I didn't try it. There always be those what ifs. And right. who knows, maybe I'll get another opportunity down the road. Maybe I won't. But I at least tried it. It was out of my power to all the limitations I had and. You know, you just got to move on. So you mentioned the tease of being so close to the Outlaws Championship and, and wondering what if. Is that now the goal for you, is to, to get an Outlaws Championship? Or is there still the, the thought of, I still can try going to the pavement side? My goal this year is to start my relationship off with driving for Todd and doing a great job for him. Um, I have aspirations of maybe running the truck race at Knoxville, but I still don't have a ride, but that has nothing to do with, or doesn't interfere with the outlaw schedule. But, you know, I'm focused at 
uh, working with Cody and Trey and, um, you know, getting this car good consistently. And, uh, you know, I, I feel that I, I've been up in the top three in points uh, the last, you know, whatever years and, and would have been if I didn't miss those races last year. But um, I, I'm motivated, um, you know, <laughs> I, I want this season to be good, and, and I think uh, we'll be able to do a good job. Right, obviously, confidence is a big thing for drivers. You always sound like you always have a lot of confidence in yourself and your abilities. Um, I know uh, you had a quote that caught a lot of people's attention saying, uh, I think maybe before the truck racing, that is, uh, I believe at 27 I'm the best driver I've seen in my life. Um, does that come from a place of just pure confidence? Do you still uh, stand by that? Well, I mean, it's a little bit out of context, a little bit, but it, I kind of meant like I'm the best driver I've ever been at my age at 27. Gotcha. And, and I've said it in a couple interviews. I mean, what's frustrating is anybody in their 20s, you know, Logan's been having success. But I mean, if you compare to my stats, anybody else in their 20s, uh, I feel like. I'm leaps and bounds above lots of people. Um, and, and people don't view me as a bell or Larson because I've kind of gotten stuck in this wing sprint car racing, but it just kind of my path. And, and, um, you know, that's just the way it went for me. You know, it wasn't on purpose. It just seemed like that's what made sense. And, you know, you know, it's all worked out, but, um, you know, I, I'm confident in my ability and, and I'm confident in my team's ability and, and, you know, all these outlaw teams have great equipment. It's just all about relationships and working well together with people and, um, you know, and, and just gelling. Right. Are you happy with where you're at in your career right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm able to make a solid living being a race car driver. And like I said, I, I don't have to bring much to the table when I drive for teams and, and that's rare nowadays. So, you know, I have a couple people that uh, come with me like, JRC transportation and Walker performance filtration, uh, uh, high performance lubricants and Simpson and, and, uh, you know, all those types of people have always helped me out along the way and IPC and, and stuff like that. So, um, it's good to, to bring a little help and, and uh, love to these teams cause they, they appreciate anything you could do. But, um, you know, I, I'm definitely happy where I'm at, but I'm never content. I always strive for more. If you win 10 races, you want to win 20. Or uh, if you finish third in the points, you want to try to win the points. So, um, you know, to me, you're, I'm just hungry for more and more and more. So that that's that's what I'm striving for, no matter if it's a sprint car, a NASCAR, or whatever it is. I'm just always striving to be the best person I can. That's why I do my YouTube channel. That's why I try to do things different than what nobody else does. You know, I'm from Connecticut. I'm not from Ohio. <laughs> I'm not from California. I'm not from Pennsylvania. You know, I'm not from these hotbeds of sprint car racing. So I guess I have a little bit of a different outlook and was raised different. And, you know, um, just, just the way it is. I'm just a little bit different and try to make my own way. Yeah, being from Connecticut, you should be on the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour, probably not running sprint cars or SKs at Stafford or something. But I think I speak for all sprint car people that we're really glad that we get to, to have you and be able to watch you run all year. And we hope this year, uh, David, you have a, a great season, and thank you Definitely. so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah, no problem. No no disrespect, but I watching the races at Stafford and Thompson and stuff like that, I truly didn't like that racing. And not that all asphalt racing is bad, but, um, you know, you had to – 
beating bang your way to the front and there's a lot of fights in the pits and stuff oh, yeah. like that. I, I feel as a sprint car driver, you could really showcase your talent more on adapting to the track changing and the feature and, and trying to make a lane work that doesn't work. And, you know, I'm not Donnie shots, but Donnie shots makes a lane work. A lot of the times, uh, you know, work that other people can run in the middle. And I feel like, uh, I try to, you know, adapt and try to make lines work that other people don't as well. I can't run the middle like Donnie, but I could maybe make a diamond move work or, or run, run the bottom that nobody's running. And, you know, that, that just what separates you from other people. And, you know, Donnie has been the benchmark and you just try to try to be different. Yeah. I, I'm a pavement modified guy grew up that way, but you're a hundred percent right. They know how to tear them up and then throw the fists about it afterwards. That's for sure. But like I said, yeah. David, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Best of luck this season. Uh, as we're really just getting started, only two races on the red belt so far. Yeah, I'm pretty excited yeah. so far. Can't wait to see what happens in the rest. I think all the races were great, guys. I'm excited for this year. I mean, the most um, competitive roster ever, and it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be exciting. we got a lot of gassers, and uh, hopefully Mother Nature doesn't kick our butt for the whole year, and we get a lot of races in. Yes, sir, absolutely. Definitely. Good luck this year, David. Thank you so much for joining us here on Open Red. Thanks. See you guys. So, yes, thanks to David Gravel, who, like, as we said before, is sitting fourth place in points, 24 points behind Carson Macedo for the lead. Uh, thank you to him for joining us this week on Open Red. That was a, a lot of fun. I, I feel like I learned a lot, and he he answered one key question that you had for him, Nick. Um, I think a lot of people had uh, that question, I know, too. So, I mean, we had to ask it. It had to be, yes, absolutely. It had to be asked. That's what we're here for, to ask the, the hard-hitting questions. We know you all come here for uh, groundbreaking Pulitzer Prize-winning journalism. Here, at Exactly. I'm still waiting for my award. It should be in the mail, I believe. I, I think I saw it announced yesterday. So Good, we'll cool. You can find me at Nick. Graziano on Twitter if they want to message me let me know when that's happening and when that's coming you know just just sitting here waiting I mean if they don't I'll, I'll get on it I'll become like your PR person every PR wow. person needs a PR person it's like Spongebob every mailman has a mailman you know that's true I'll, I'll be I need, I'll I need, I need a PR person you're hired fantastic we'll talk about rates after the show yeah we had, well it'll be off air off air yeah yeah so um we digress uh, David was a, a great interview, a ton of, ton of fun there. I'm really glad you asked that question because um, I think it gave him the chance to clear the air a little bit on that one because I do remember when, when he said that. I think it was a misspeak, and a lot of people took it in a way that he clearly didn't mean it to be taken. Uh, like you said, it's kind of a confidence thing, too. I mean, he's a very confident driver, and that's what's made him so successful so far and why he's been fast in that two-car already. Yes. Um, like, we've seen... He can win in basically anything he hops in, just yep. about. So, and that that win in that team for them is coming, and it's probably coming really, really soon. Oh yeah, uh, and that it it could come as soon as this Friday night at Magnolia because he's pretty certain, and I still can't find it, but he's pretty certain he he's has certain he there. raced there. And I mean, we've looked for a while, but yes. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to make sure that you watch David Gravel win at Magnolia because again he's very confident that he's raced there and, and can win there uh, you can do so by either A getting your tickets at worldofoutlaws.com and going to the racetrack on Friday night or you could tune in to dirtvision.com with your fast pass either your platinum fast pass or your monthly fast pass uh, wow I tried talking so fast about the fast pass that I, I tripped up on 
the fast pass. I think you did pretty well there. Thank you. A lot of fast passes going on there in fast pass and a platinum annual fast pass. For your fast pass, the platinum one is two hundred ninety nine dollars for the platinum fast pass. Your monthly fast pass is thirty nine dollars for the fast pass. So be either way, make sure you get a fast pass and you can watch on Dirt Vision. Not just the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars, but opening this week, this Sunday, weekly racing from Williams Grove Speedway. The four ten sprint cars are back in action at the Grove. Also coming soon, four ten sprint car racing from Attica Raceway Park, Knoxville Raceway, Jacksonville, and Houston Speedway plus all of the late model action and big block modified action as well. We've got you covered. You can see everything. Just so much dirt racing. So much. You can even see the late models at Bristol, too. I mean, you get your early fill at Bristol. Mm-hmm. That is coming up as well. Um, Nick, I don't have anywhere else to go. I think that means we're done. I think that I think means we're what done. That's what that means. Nice job today, Nick. You too. I'm glad your voice isn't shot from screaming all afternoon at the last great Coliseum last night. Oh, it was so much fun. I could I could have stayed and just sat there and just watched the track just be the track. <laughs> I am with you on that. We'll get to see cars race at Bristol Motor Speedway pretty soon. But until then, this has been Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws and Austin Drink Sprint Cars. My name is Rob Blount. Alongside of me, as always, is Nick Graziano. Until the next time, have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Hashtag Open Red.